0: specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com.
1: This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
2: People often ask me what it's like raising triplets. However, I've often wondered what it has been like for a mom with a full-time career to try to raise six boys ranging from ages 29 down to seven. Leah McChesney is just the person to help answer that question. Transitions have been a way of life for Leah as she talks about going through a divorce, being a stay-at-home mom, and then slowly working her way back into a new sales career. A career that highlights her natural abilities to be a great networker, but an even better connector of people. The true success of Leah's ability to raise her six boys while developing her new career has been to be open with herself, her boys, and to to opportunities when they uniquely present themselves. Her ability to stay open has helped to deepen the strong relationships that she has developed with her sons and the deep connections her sons have built with each other. Please enjoy my conversation with Leah McChesney. What I want to do first is talk about like your family situation. So I'm not sure, like, I don't even know exactly your family situation besides that you have these six boys. And Mm -hmm. so I I, want to get into that and how you have managed raising this very large family, especially in today's age where it's unheard of to have (laughs) six kids and for you to have six boys is utterly blows my mind. So I think that that's the place for us to start. So, um, walk me through or walk us through like <laughs> how you ended up with six boys and the fact that, and I don't know their age ranges, but you got a big range there.
1: Right. You know, um, I remember when I was expecting my last, I went and, uh, found out when I found out I was having another son, um, which at that point that was easy for me. I did not want to mix it all up at that point. Right. <sighs> but I, um, the, the odds of having six boys was so minuscule. It was quite amazing. Um, and then, yeah, to say that I have, um, six boys, you know, a majority of them are men now. So my eldest is 29 and, um, there's a 22 year gap between my eldest and my youngest that is seven. So, um, I am down to two in the home now. Um, so that is a big, uh, a big adjustment. I've never had all six at home.
2: So what's that like? Like what's the dynamic like between the 29 year old and the seven year old? Like what's that relationship like between the two of them and how do you, how do you bridge that relationship or do they just do it naturally?
1: You know, luckily my, the, I would say that the biggest thing that I feel the most pride about is the fact that my boys have such a tight bond and they're so close. I mean, they, they talk and text on nearly a daily basis. They not only cheerlead for one another, they kick each other in the butt when they need it. Um, they give each other reality checks. They're super close and they're very involved and they actually go above and beyond to help mentor. Um, and so my, you know the eldest has never lived with the youngest. Um, the second, not that the, the little guy could ever remember. But you know, if there's pictures of them. They Facetime. They, you know, text. Um, they make sure that they visit. You know, we talk about them a lot. But they're they're very involved. So the little guy sees the eldest one as kind of bigger than life, right? Like <laughs> yeah. he's just like he's stronger than anybody, cooler than anybody. So it's uh it's really unique and it's really special. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. So
2: so at any time during any of these six pregnancies. You already said the last one. You're like, okay, I'm hoping it's just a boy. Did you ever hope one of those pregnancies was going to be a girl?
1: Well, you know, um, <laughs> in the beginning, you know, with the first couple, it's kind of, I think most, you know, women like, Oh, I would love to have a daughter. And most guys are like, ah, oh, I'd love to have a son, you know? Cause, but you don't really know what the opposite kind of relationship brings. And so I make a joke, I guess it's kind of a joke that you know I'm the only daughter. I so I only have brothers. I only have sons. I'm the first grandchild on both sides of the family, and I was like, ah, I guess I was born to stay on my pedestal. So there I'll stay.
2: It, it, see, this is it's such a you you I, I get the reaction of like oh my god you have triplets and. Like, I always think of when I think of Leah, I think, oh, my God, she has six, six boys. And for me, like right now, so my triplets are 10 and, and uh, Mackenzie, the plus one is, is eight. So there's two boys and, two, and one girl for the triplets and then Mackenzie. So there's two boys and two girls. But to me right now at this stage, the boys are so much harder than the girls are. But talking to enough people like oh paul you just wait that's going to that's going to flip did was it did you go through that like r- raising the boys were were they harder D- was it harder at first and then they got easier or was it always hard or wasn't was it not hard it,
1: they're just very active you know so i recall sitting at the beach one day and seeing this little girl that was clearly in a crawling stage sit on the blanket. And I was like, I have never known such a thing, (laughs) but you know, I have a brother that has a couple of uh, daughters, my nieces. And, um, my little guy will go over there once in a while because he aligns in their age. So, you know, my boys being spread out have grown up with different, different family members, different groups of family. They haven't grown up with the same and, um, they leave or he leaves and they're just kind of like, he's like climbing on stuff and jumping off things like they don't know what to do with that because they've never experienced boys, you know? So, um, I, I've never found it hard. I find it quite, quite easy. They're, um, easy to please, you know, they are, um, they're over their little spats in just a moment and, um, you just kind of feed them and love them. And,
2: <laughs> that's that's one thing that's very different between the boys and the girls is the, the level of drama, and I can I can see how that's going to get a little bit more challenging as the girls get older. So, um, so let's stick to these boys for a second before I get into the, I think the, the bigger question is how how does Leah manage all this? But so with your boys right now, I know with mine they are really into gaming. Um, Mm -hmm. how about your boys? Are they in the gaming? Do they game with each other or how does that work? And then more importantly, how do you manage all that? (laughs) Like from a, from a, from a control standpoint. So they're not like, if they are gamers, like, how do you, how do you regulate that?
1: Right. Right. Um, well, um, on the positive side of it, it is a way that, um, my fifth son, and also was my fourth son um, before he went off to the Marines, that they connected with their older brothers living across the country. So they spend a lot of time talking online um, and all together. And there's enough of them that, you know, occasionally they're being friends in, but they don't, they don't really need anybody else. So um, that's the positive. Um, you know, the negative of that, um, it's really interesting because um it's really easy to let time get away. And all of a sudden they've spent so much time playing and you've let it happen because you've got a bunch of other things to do. Right. And then add in COVID and winter and all that other good stuff. Um, you know, again, kind of the network of the brothers have helped as well. Right. They kind of, you know, try to get each other interested in other things. Um, but luckily it's, it's not posed a real problem. So I'm grateful for that.
2: So, if I step back, it, so I, I I like to ask you talk about your career a little bit and what what exactly that you do. I know that you're you're you're, you're in sales of, in some nature. How how have you balanced working as a as a, working a full time mom and working a full time career and trying to to balance all of this? Because that's that's one question that I always get, like when when I'm asked about the triplets are foursome and, you know, people that know us know Teresa works full time. Like, I don't know how you guys all do it. And my, my common response is like, well, we've been taking it one day at a time. And that one day at a time has turned into 10 years now.
1: Right. So,
2: so I'm right. always interested on, on, on how other people with large families like ourselves are able to balance all that because you have a very demanding career as well.
1: Well, um, one aspect that is great about sales is um, it's very flexible. It's very busy and can be very involved and you, you know, you're giving a lot of energy, but it's very flexible on time, you know, hence being able to like travel or, you know, be at home to balance, you know, the COVID situation is um, the flexibility of time because you can take calls and, you know, run the computer and, you know, you're off, um networking events and things. So, you know, it's not necessarily kind of a nine to five job. So that is, uh, um, great. Um, I will say, you know, I haven't always quote unquote worked like when I was in the thick of my older boys being younger and close together. My first three were born within four, four years. Um, you know, I spent several years focusing on them. And then as they got older, started to incorporate other things that kind of um, uh, broadened my skills, honed my skills and challenged me in ways that I was kind of able to grow in that spot, take everything, move up to another spot. And it kind of brought me to the place that I am. So um, when I found um, myself with a two-year-old and was divorced and had two other children besides him living with me, um, I worked from home. And I think I I filled the gaps of what I needed to gain my energy, to feel successful, to grow and expand and prepare myself for the time when he would get the older and go to school. Um, The timing of it just worked out really well. And I think, um, you know, I've never been one to feel really, Guilty as far as well. I have kids, so I can't go. I need to stay home. I can't go have the fun. I can't go to the event. You know, like I, I've always, you know, one tactic I've always had is living um, with a paper calendar as well as my electronic calendar that I would plug in some of the things I had during the week, whether it's kids' sports activities, appointments, my own things. And then I would, um, other things would come up and I would look at my calendar and see if that day was going to stress me out. If I added more, when could I add more? What was the priority? And so therefore I've always been able to juggle a lot because I think I'm very good at time management and um, keeping balance where I make sure I have the fun. I make sure I have the rest. I make sure I feel like I'm being successful and I'm growing and, Um, I would say throughout all of the things that I've done, that is what's helped me be successful, I feel, in everything and has prepared me for where I am now and preparing me for where I'm going.
2: So that's, have you always been aware of the need for, I guess what we're calling it today is self-care? Because when I, I had one of my very first guests on the podcast last year, Dr. Laura Hutchinson, Um, she's a a child psychologist and that's the topic we got on. It was really focused around parents dealing with COVID kids dealing with COVID. And one of the things that she really emphasized was parents needing self-care. Like you need to take time out, like from your, from yourself, from your, from your kids, from your spouse, and just take time for yourself to step back and and re-energize. Do you, how, how are you able to do, do that?
1: Well, um, I feel like having that self-care, that kind of balance to being whole, um, is something that I've always felt that was important. And as I've, dare I say, getting older, (laughs) have set those boundaries for myself a little bit more where I'm able to, you know, I still say yes to things that I shouldn't. Right. But I think I also don't stress those things. Like I don't get stressed about them as much as I used to. I don't overthink the things that I used to. So I feel like I'm able to incorporate a lot and kind of take it as it comes. Um, but that self-care is really important. And it, I think it's something that, um, A lot of times people feel selfish for doing when in fact it's, you know, I guess the saying like, you know, if you're not your best self, you're not really good for anybody. Right. So that's something that's always really resonated with me that if I don't get my rest, if I don't have my fun, if I don't have my learning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm not really going to be my best self for everybody. And I'm also not being a good example to my kids. You know, I don't want them to feel like their whole life is, you know, they've got to grind all the time and feel like that's the way to live. There's more to life.
2: So one of when you, just a moment ago, you, you, you laid out a bunch of life transitions. And if there's been one theme of the podcast so far in its early days has been, life transitions. But mm-hmm. one that I've, I haven't talked to anybody about is, especially for um, uh, women, is you had taken time off to be at home with your kids and then you transitioned back into the workforce.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Talk to us about what that was like. What did you, were there things that you were doing to prepare yourself for going back in or did you just go back in cold or how, did, how, did, how was that like? What was that transition
1: you know, it's interesting because to some people it may kind of sound naive to say, but I, I may not have realized all of the things I was doing to prepare myself. That I think I was I was living in a way that I felt like I was in the right places, doing the right thing to feed my energy, to to have balance, to feel successful. And when the time came, the opportunity just was there. And a lot of that also, you know, um, part of what we're going to talk about today is networking. A lot of that has come from that long line of all the time and energy I've put into networking, even when there was no real quote unquote reason for doing it. You know, there was many, many years that I was, you know, um, facilitating lunches, um, and creating them for MCC. And I had no ask, you know, I was purely there to network. Um, So I feel like that is kind of part of it. But literally, the day came, um, when I was going from working from home part time, and also kind of, um, I had a various times, a couple of different um, kind of at home gigs and things that I was doing, and some of them were bringing me into the community, and some weren't. That um, that the the right opportunity just was there exactly when I needed it, and I wasn't even looking. Um, but I feel like uh, the fact that I was sure to fulfill the the needs that I had to be my best self, you know, whether it was being involved in the community or, like I said, networking or whatever led up to that point. So I, you know, like I said, sometimes people may think that's a bit naive, but I feel like I, I practice all of that now and I, I see the fruits of it. And I know that that will continue to, to be there.
2: That's, uh, so our, our mutual connection to how we met is through Terry Bean and what you you just laid out and working with Terry a few years ago, it just screams like his mantra. And he, he was, uh, he was on episode 17, Terry B, and I'll put a link in the show notes to that, uh, t- to our conversation. But that was one of Terry's emphasis or points of emphasis is that sometimes if you just let, I think he used the phrase a lot of times, just let the universe come to you and, <laughs> and good mm-hmm. things will happen. And so right. that's, that kind of sounds, you know, a lot like what, what happened with you, you were putting yourself in the right places and, and connecting with the, the right, right people and things, you know, opportunity happens.
1: Well, and, you know, first of all, um, you know, Terry, Terry and I have always kind of connected as friends in that way. You know, we are aligned a lot in that way, but, you know, a moment ago you spoke of transitions. And so through that major transition of, you know, from being, you know, married to 25 from 25 years to being single Having kids, transitioning work, and um, all of that, I um, experienced quite a lesson that was very vital to me, and it was um, it was it was a wonderful thing to experience because it's something I've been able to share with my adult children, and it was the fact that I was you know, I needed to eat an elephant (laughs) and it was very overwhelming and very scary being from where I was and where I needed to go. And I learned very quickly that I needed to take each portion of what I needed to do one thing at a time. Like I needed to prioritize, what did I need to do now? And I would focus on that thing. And I was very open to uh, what was going to cross my path. And amazingly. Sometimes the exact thing or person or whatever it was I needed was right there. I would tackle that thing. I'd get beyond it and I'd go to the next one and the next one. And it would just, everything just seemed to work out, you know, seamlessly, um, maybe not in the moment, but, um, it was a good lesson in not, you know, always trying to look at the big, you know, the big picture and all the little details, or maybe I'm saying that wrong, not necessarily the big picture, but, um, um, you know. Trying to do all of it, and um, that has been uh very helpful for me
2: before I lose sight of this, I do want to come back and single out one of your boys um and you mentioned and and i I, I known this that um one of your boys, and I forget which one it is is uh in the Marines mm-hmm. What was that like in in him telling you? hey, mom, guess what? I want to be a Marine. How'd the, how did that conversation go?
1: Well, it's it's really interesting because he already had three big brothers that broke me in. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it wasn't quite as scary because I went from my eldest living in Africa for a couple of years to being a, you know, went to business school, then he was a police officer and now he's a border patrol agent. So I had experienced so many things that with my eldest. And so I will start, you know, I will start there, even though you're asking me about that, you know, he went off to, you know, live in a third world country for several years and I cried the day he left and I cried the day he came home and his birthday in between. But other than that, I didn't fret and worry about the fact that he needed to carry a machete to walk anywhere. Right. Um, Or I could hear lions in the background on the phone with him because it was like, worry is never, it never serves you. So I've always been one to kind of, you know, they need to go live their life and make their own choices. And I need to, you know, love them and encourage them and give them the best guidance I can. But if I'm going to sit here and fret and worry about everything that could go wrong, one, that's a great way for things to go wrong. And two, it's a huge waste of energy and time. So when my son told me that he wanted to become a Marine, um, I, you know, he didn't take that decision lightly. He had told me about it several months before, and he went and did his homework. He spoke with recruiters. He spoke with former Marines. He spoke with uh, former, um, you know, Navy men and, you know, um, and all kinds of folks. And so he, uh, he kind of circled around with different things and came back to that and felt really certain about it. And so I just encouraged him. It's his life, you know? Um, I wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna drive a wedge between the two of us. And the most amazing thing is now every time I talk to him on the phone, his voice is more confident and more, more happy than I've ever heard before. And I'm like, he's exactly where he needs to be, and he's, you know, living how he feels he needs to live. So um, you know, of course, I hope that you know wars don't happen and you know there's going to go to scary places you know quote unquote but um he's you know being himself so
2: and how long has he been in now
1: well he left in october so he still okay. you know has a lot of uh training to do but um i'm glad he's made it through basic and now he's in infantry school and he's set a really good example to all of his brothers and, um, um, you know, really proud of him.
2: Yeah. I, I didn't want to let that go because I, I've had, um, and I think, you know, Bill Kiefer, uh, he's, he has a very distinguished military career and background and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing sacrifice. And, but I, I know how, well, I don't know, but I imagine how hard, um, that must've been, but I guess in some sense, you know, I think if my kids ever decided to go that that route, um, there would be a great sense of pride. I mean, I unfortunately never served. My my father did. My my uncles did. Um, and actually, I was I was thinking about going down that route. And I remember growing up, one of the only times I probably ever listened to my dad <laughs> was when I was convinced I was going in the Navy, and he sat me down. He's like. I don't think this is a good decision for you. <laughs> let me tell you why. And, and, uh, I'll never forget that conversation. And obviously he knew me better than I did at, at that age, which I was what 17, 18. And so, um, well, I, I sim- somewhat will always regret not serving. Um, I'm, I'm sure my dad has my, my, my dad have, my best interest at heart, and I'm I'm glad I I probably listened to him. <laughs> right, right, right. So I, I want to s- s- go to to your career, and one I've had a few sales um, professionals on, but I've never asked them this question: Is I think sales is one of the hardest jobs or careers out there. So most people know my background before I started Tama was in corporate accounting finance operation and tax. So just in saying all those titles it has nothing to do with sales or business development. Now being an entrepreneur and having Tama for the last 10 years um, you know a lot of what I do is business development and I'm still trying to manage what I call the the emotional roller coaster of the ups and downs and if if you talk to me like 7 8 years ago like it was a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And over time, I've kind of evened that out. Um, maybe therapy's really helped that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm positive, it probably has. So uh, plug to my therapist. But how do you deal with the emotional roller coaster that, that is sales and, and, the, and the ups and downs of it?
1: You know, it's interesting because um, I've never truly been in a real sales role until this one. Which I'm I'm coming up on two years now. So, um, you know, everything I've done has kind of been sales to an extent, but not like this. Um, And I also came into this role knowing absolutely nothing about the industry. (laughs) What I brought were, you know, my people skills, my networking, you know, all of that um, to the table. And so, you know, I found myself sitting in places, you know, trying to sell to people. And I knew none of the answers to anything that they needed to know, right? Um, I could go find them out, but I didn't know them. But what I quickly realized more than ever that one with sales, it's, they're purchasing you, you know, people do business with, you know, business they know, like, and trust, right? right? And so there's that. And then, so out of my two years, one of those years was COVID. (laughs) So it's been, you know, it's been really interesting. And um, the, you know, peaks and valleys of sales is stressful because sometimes, you know, it's for a week or two, and you're like, well, you know, it gets quiet for a while. I'll just enjoy this quiet, and I'll kind of work on that pipeline and take care of the things that I've been meaning to take care of, but haven't been able to. And then when you're really, really busy, it's great. And you're at this great high, but then you quickly realize you're only as good as your last sale that um, I've, I've learned to kind of um, not get too confident when it's going great and not to get too upset when it's low, because that is just the nature of it. And, um, to kind of, uh, use those times to the best of my ability. Um, and I guess just kind of have, um, a trust that everything that I've been doing that has put me in the position that I am now is working. And if I keep doing it, it's going to keep working and it's going to keep growing. And I only keep seeing, the fruits of that labor. And it therefore motivates me to knock it too down and knock it too worried and to keep doing it, you know?
2: So what, in, in the type of sales that you're in today, do you, are those like, that's one of the things I think that prevented me from getting into the financial service industry earlier on is that I remember meeting with some of the bigger firms, um, and getting really turned off by the the whole sales process um, because it was more selling back then, like 20, 15, 20 years ago, it was more selling a product rather than what I do today with, really, I'm selling, to your point, I'm selling myself, I'm selling a service. I don't sell proprietary investment products. You know, I, it's just, that was never me and nor did I ever want to do that. So, you know, I'm building these long-term relationships. And actually now I'm building generational relationships because I have families that I've worked with the parents and now their sons and daughters are starting their career. And guess what? They're coming to me to start their, their wealth planning uh, journey. And ironically, I've had four of those so far this year. It's been, it's been amazing. And it's, it really fills me with a sense of pride knowing that, you know, I'm taking care of an entire family and multiple generations now. So with, with your work, is it, I'm assuming you're still building like long-term relationships with people. Like, so they're coming back. It's not like a one and done, right?
1: Absolutely. And you know, those relationships that I may have already had or that I have established in this business, um, that only now continue to come back. you know, they can't help, but want to share how I've helped them or what our relationship is like with other people. And that's a wonderful thing, you know, because I have, I've, I meet people on occasion that say, you know, who can I introduce you to, or how can I help you? And I was like, you know what, I either one, just want you to get to know me or two, I want you to work with me first. And then what I do and what my company does, you know, will sell itself and you'll, You'll sell it because of what you've experienced. It's not, you know, there are many people that can do many of the things that you do and I do, and many people do, but what makes, you know, you unique. And, um, so often my approach when I'm coming to someone that, you know, may need the services that I offer and, um, other people can offer is, you know, what, what kind of disconnects or issues or things that you would like to be different have you experienced? Tell me them all and let's make sure that we don't have any of those experiences or we change those things. Like, what can I make better or fix? You know, um, and um, I've lost my train of thought, but... Um,
2: no, you're good. So that, that's actually is kind of lead into to our last part of our conversation, which is networking. And I know that you are extremely active on both LinkedIn and Facebook and some of the other, and, and probably other, and other networking groups, which is one that we're part of club MCC. And I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And I remember a post that you did, I think recently, I think within the last few weeks is that if you could make a living being a professional networker, that's what you would do. Talk to me about what you were really thinking when you, you know, type that up and and send it into the social media sphere.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, you know, um, I guess to an extent I do <laughs> make a living networking, um, but really it's, it's the ability to spend the time over a period of time of getting to know, people you know individuals their businesses things that are happening in the world as a nature of networking that then you introduce them to the right people so um, there's one little scenario that I've shared with sometimes with people because I I'm often um, approached on the weekly you know Leah do you know somebody that does this or this or this and I was like yeah. Okay. So if somebody will come to me and they'll say, do you know somebody that builds a website, the websites? And I was like, well, of course I do. I know dozens of people, you know, especially kind of coming from the marketing world and still kind of working in the marketing world. Um, I know lots of people that do that, but what kind of website do you need? You know, is it a, is it a, you know, a static page? Are you selling, you know, do you need constant maintenance? Like let's hook you up with the right person. And I am never one that will just make a willy-nilly kind of um connection. Like if I connect somebody, I want to be able to say what personal experiences I have or what kind of trust I have in that person. You know, um, I will never just connect somebody otherwise, you know, um so that is the part of networking that I really, really enjoy. Well, I guess that's one of the aspects is being able to help others network and connect. I like help having others be aware of the things that I'm involved in or that I experience or that I see out in the world. Because as a product of networking, you get to see things and experience things that you never would otherwise. Like I've gotten tours of, you know, um, that kind of like the trade's um, department at Washtenaw Community College I got to see like the welding and you know where they're like um, you know building cars and you know just kind of amazing things that all these little things kind of um, contribute to what you know about the community and it's amazing how that is um, really helpful when you're out in the community.
2: So and sticking on the topic of networking for what are what are maybe like one or two critical, points that you would emphasize to people that are out trying to network, whether it's trying to build a network because they're looking for a new career option um, or they're networking, you know, because they're in sales or they're an entrepreneur and trying to, you know, grow their businesses.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, this like social media, I could speak on all day every day and you have a hard time kind of shutting me up. (laughs) Um, One thing I would say is you know, be open to not only opportunities, but of what may come of who you meet, because you're not necessarily going to, you know, go somewhere and have the perfect thing with the perfect, you know, with the people that you meet, the, the people that you, you know, connect with you don't know how they're going to contribute to your life, whether it's in six months, two years, 10 years. And then as you are involved, you kind of see these like links, like in a chain of I'm here now, but let me tell you the big long story of how I got there and all the people that are connected along that way. So, um, you know, being open to uh, meeting people and not such a self-serving way. Um, The other thing would be to, you know, you go meet with people, You go follow up with them. You know, I, uh, some of the tactics I use is I immediately, I go find them on Facebook. I find them on, you know, LinkedIn. I kind of bring them into my world. So then the next time I see them, they feel more comfortable around me. I'm more familiar. Um, We, they find ways to connect with me because I'm one to share kind of how I think and how I feel and um, about other things that I'm excited about online and so then um as i get to know them i try to add value to their life but like you know what you need to be aware of this thing that's happening i think you'd be really interested in it or you know what there's this person and they live in the same community as you and you guys are so similar you need to talk you need to know each other and um people take those introductions very seriously because um there's something behind it um another thing is i like to maybe every 6 months kind of write down uh kind of measure maybe um in this in this realm the business that i got where did i get those from so then it's like as i'm being introduced and given opportunities to do new things or be involved being involved is very important um, what do I need to drop because what's kind of served its purpose or really isn't the, you know, the place I need to be. So then I'm open for new opportunities. Um, so kind of measuring where you put your time and energy is important as well.
2: Is there a specific, that's an interesting thought. And I want to stay there for a second. Is, is there a specific way you go about measuring that, that time and energy that you put into, to, to, Either sometimes
1: certain- it's just quite literally where what I'm getting from those associations or the the time I'm spending at those meetings, you know, are those relationships um, growing into what I need it to be for that kind of uh, situation? Right? It doesn't mean I haven't got friends or people in the community or whatever but if it's not netting me the right direction I need to go for sales or contributing to my life, then it's probably time to kind of be open to some other opportunities that come my way
2: So the, so I think I've heard this analogy before it's like networkings like a, um, like a, a gardener like are you you're paying attention to what's growing and then what needs to be? pruned or trimmed and focusing that energy on, you know, helping, helping that growth develop. But at the same time, you're trying to grow, you also need to, you know, shed, you know, people, projects that, that aren't, aren't helping you grow that are potentially holding you back.
1: Right. I think that's a great way to, to, um, a great analogy. So, um, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, being involved after those meetings, you know, go have that cup of coffee, go have that cocktail, go have that lunch, you know, spend that time and effort. Um, even if there's no, you know, nothing that you, you know, seemingly are going to get get out of it. Um, you know, trusting your gut, you know, it's like uh, you meet people and sometimes it's like, You just hit it off and click and you don't know why you just do. So you just kind of um, nurture that relationship a little bit, you know, and being open to it.
2: How has networking changed for you over the past year um, during COVID? Because I know that you were, you were one that would, you would, you would be out. You would be out active with people face-to-face, having drinks, having coffee, having lunches, um, you know, getting, you know, MCC meetings going and, and other networking groups that you had going on. What's it been like that transition from, you know, pre COVID to now, well, I wouldn't say post COVID cause we're still going through it obviously, but what's that transition been like?
1: Um, that's, that's really interesting because, um, back, you know, pre COVID, um, I had a, friend of mine come to me one day and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to call you every day and say, where are we going today? Right. Cause I always had somewhere to go. Um, but, um, you know, I had to get, um, more creative and I had to kind of get over myself and I had to kind of conquer some of my own fears because one, I had a need to connect with people two. I couldn't go to those meetings anymore. I couldn't go to those events. So how was I going to tell people what I was doing here? I was just, you know, a year into this career. Um, And so then, you know, I'm um, very attuned to social media. You know, I came from a social media marketing world for five and a half years, actually way plus um, of that. So I had this fear that actually through our connections on club MCC, I was like, you know, I needed to take the video and I just could never do it because I would want it to be, I knew I'd beat myself up over it. So one day, a couple of weeks into COVID, I was just like, I've got a I've got a network with people. I ha- I cannot sit in my house. I'll go insane. Um, this is not my nature. You know, I, I I joke that it's like, how did I know I was like this? Well, you know, my parents at five years old, you know, are just like Leah knows every single neighbor, <laughs> you know, like I I'm so cool from a young age. And um, so I one day, you know, I don't even know if I, I had makeup on. I needed to brush my hair. I sat down, you know, in my living room and was like, you know what? I'm st- I'm setting up a Calendly. I want to network with people. I haven't been able to talk to that. I haven't talked to for a long time that I've never met. And I just took to this video. I put it out there and, you know, I was nervous because I'm like, who's going to sign up for this, right. There's going to be creepy people there, you know, <laughs> and, um, it was, it was almost like an experiment. It was the most amazing experience. And I did this for several months and, um, it was really cool. And from there, I just started to um, put myself out there in that way. And it even helped me to kind of um, stretch how I would kind of worry before how people would perceive me putting things out online. And I got a lot more aggressive about it. And I would say through COVID, that's like where 75% of my business came from, you know, because people then could connect with Through
2: me. those videos?
1: Yeah. Through, you know, and then it was like, I started to like network more and I started to talk to people and it brought awareness because then I started to share so much more about what I was selling or what I was doing about my company or about who I was or how I thought. And so I kind of mixed up all the things that I used through a video, but it, it helped me be very real to people. And, um, I had a lot of really amazing experiences, you know, with people messaging me or calling me or it encouraged other people to do it. And um, I connected with all sorts of folks that I never would have otherwise. Um, So it's kind of made a little bit of a monster out of me, (laughs) Um, but I I really enjoy it. But I just, you know, I can't overthink it. You know, it just is what it is. And I'll watch it and be like, I think I said, um, like 50 times. Right. But it is what it is, you know? So
2: so yeah. how what was the reception like for that from that first video when you just threw it out where I'm like hey I want to you know network no, with you like what was, was
1: really encouraging and I had um a couple of really interesting experiences so I will share one so this one individual that I wasn't even connected to on LinkedIn um he signed up for this for a time slot and I was like one I don't even know this guy two he lives in Texas and he's in the oil industry. Like, what am I going to talk to him about? I have nobody that's even remotely close to him in networking. Like, what am I going to offer him? And then a part of me was like, oh, that's a little weird. Right. And then I was like, you know what? I don't know why I'm being like this. Like I meet people at networking events and places I go all the time. Like I talk to people all the time. Like I'm not I'm not going to overthink this. So I, and I went and looked at his, um, his LinkedIn and I, I wrote down some questions like, what can we talk about? He sat on his front porch. He told me about how he was unemployed and about where he had been and what he's looking for. And I just kind of spoke to him in the ways that I could like, well, what are you going to do? And how do you network? And how do you connect with people? And, you know, and kind of told him what I was doing. And he was like, he just gave me some great ideas of what I need to do. Um, And it was such, and I haven't talked to him since. That's
2: amazing. It
1: it was such beyond that. It was such a wonderful, positive experience that like a day or two later, he wrote me a recommendation on LinkedIn. He was just so like thrilled what I brought to him. So he was open to this person, like let's network and did. And And I found it a wonderful experience because then all of a sudden I, I found Well, one through club MCC, we all just bonded and grew so close. It was just, it was an amazing, it was amazing gift. But then all of a sudden I got to speak to people that I had met briefly that I would love to network with that maybe lived an hour away. Um, And all of a sudden I got to spend an hour, an hour and a half with them in their kitchen or in their living room. And people were just a lot more open and humble and real because there was like, you know, everybody was going through the same thing, and you're in their house with them, quote unquote. Um, it was uh, it was really cool, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. It um, it brought me closer to a lot of people, and it um, I feel like I came out of that experience more confident, um, more driven, and uh, it was really great.
2: That's that's was- incredible because I think it goes back to something I think you've hammered home during our conversation is just being open and by you have being open you had this great experience in helping this complete stranger and it it uh it, it's it's a, it's amazing example and i think it just is attributed to be to your point of you know be open stay open because you just never know you just never know right so i know i only have you for a finite period of time and so i want to get to my my last and closing question that I, I, I love to ask everybody, but you're going to probably be my favorite <laughs> given, <laughs> given your situation with these six, uh, these, six, uh, these I don't want to say boys because they're, they're like men, <laughs> men and a couple, couple boys, I guess. Right, right, right. What, what is your, what is the best thing about being a parent?
1: And it's funny because I, I know I would answer this differently 10 years ago and 20 years ago as I would now, but, um, having, you know, you are someone's parent and you're always someone's parent, but when those children do become adults, you develop a relationship with them that allows for more friendship and realness and openness. Cause I'm you know, here I am using that word open again, I'm very open and real with my kids, even to the point that sometimes, you know, one of my sons, the Marine was like, mom, you say things worse than I hear at the lunch table at school. Right. And I was like, I have six sons. Would you like me to be uptight? No. Okay. Good point. They say, you know, um, but you grow this depth of a relationship that is so spectacular to have these adult children that know you, for your weaknesses, your strengths, and everything in between. And they make allowances for that. And then they use those, you know, um, where when they're younger and know it all, they judge it, but then they're kind of like, okay, I saw you experience this. I saw you feel this way. I saw you do this. And they take those as lessons for themselves to help them grow. And you can be very real about yeah, I shouldn't have done this, or, you know, this was really, really good for me, you know, so that's, that relationship is really, um, it is such a benefit of being a parent as they
2: grow older. Well, that's, uh, I think that's a really great and fitting um, way to wrap up our conversation. And the fact that you, <laughs> you intertwine being open into that, I think it's just amazing and, and speaks to uh, your personality, which is why I I love being a part uh, of your network and and being you know knowing you through Club MCC and and you know really looking forward to uh, you know seeing where, how this grows and develops. So, thank you, Leah, for being on the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast, and uh, we'll look forward to our next conversation soon.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. It was great.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast.